Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. everyone and welcome into attacking third cbs sports soccer podcast i'm sandra Herrera, lead nwsl writer for cbs sports joined today as always with my colleague co-host lisa roman analyst and broadcaster for cbs sports in today's episode we're chatting all things news and notes across the globe women's soccer and of course a bit about some world cup prep because we are just roughly under two months out from the world cup we've got a lot to get through but before we take a deep dive on everything a quick reminder Go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, as a podcast, leave us a rating and review. That helps us out so much here at A3. Follow, like, and download so that you never miss out on a single episode. And good morning. Good morning. How you doing, bud? <laughs> I'm good. You know, allergies can be tough sometimes. You get down and out a little bit. But I'm good. Excited to chat about all things happening around the world of women's football today, especially with you, as you're, always. You're a champ. You're a champ. <laughs> I uh, I feel you on on the allergies. It's like you always have that like initial excitement when the weather finally matches the calendar, and you're like, "Yay, sunshine, yeah, exactly. warmth, etc." And then there's something about that pollen that's just Horrible. around Horrible. here, and then it just attacks you. But uh, hopefully, we see you on the men, bud, and we'll we'll get through this episode together with everyone <laughs> else joining us. Listen, if you are in the chat joining us live. Because, you know, you subscribe to us and you get those alerts whenever we go live. I want to see the get well hearts in the chat for Lisa. We need to make sure that we give her some energy this morning. So hit us with the uh, get well emojis. It's like the the bandage heart. Make sure she's feeling better this morning. And let's start talking about some women's soccer news and notes. You know what? Let's just start with the big stuff. We got to talk about some transfer 
news. Okay, because that's that's where everyone like tends to get, I think, most excited uh, when it comes to, to player movement, uh, rumors and or otherwise. But uh, it's going to impact the United States women's national team a little bit. You know, players who play overseas and you want to uh, be up to date on on their club play. Uh, probably the most recent news uh, out of Lyon, essentially, with the United States women's national team midfielder Lindsay Horan is set to extend her stay uh, at Olympic Lyon beyond her initial loan spell with the team. The head coach, uh, Sonia Bonpastor, uh, also essentially confirmed that uh, Amandi Henri, uh, Katerina Macario, Sina Broom, among others, will will be leaving at the end of the season. So they will no longer you know, be part of, uh, of Leon's roster moving forward. But uh, also gave a little tidbit that uh, there are ongoing discussions with the uh, Marozan and Les Salmer. So they're trying to keep the trying to keep some <laughs> couple of good midfielders there, I think, in Marozan and Haran to to kind of move forward, especially I think, you know, in light that uh Amandi is yeah, really on the exactly. move. Yeah, completely. I think it's important also like the Lindsay Haran of it all staying at OL um, because she's with the Thorns, right? She has signed a contract through 2025, I believe, with Portland Thorns, but she's been on loan with Olympic Lyon. Uh, in France, and her time there has been really, really beneficial for this player. I think we've seen the growth of Lindsay Horan as as a midfielder in her soccer IQ and her development on the pitch, and she's won a couple of trophies as well with OL, and I think her announcement to stay in France and continue playing after her loan um, was probably sad for a lot of Portland fans. They were expecting her to come back, continue to play, but you have to remember that this is a player that just did an entire season at one, their season, uh, did a little bit of Champions League, has played a lot. And now as the season comes to a close uh, in these now weeks, she's preparing for the World Cup. And then after that, she's probably going to give her body a little bit of rest. And that's why she's not going back to Portland. Um, but definitely sad a little bit for NWSL fans not to be able to watch Lindsay Horan after her great spell with the OL in France. You know, it was a, I mean, it was a big deal when she initially made the move to France. Um, and it was kind of with the intention of essentially returning to the NWSL Portland specifically. Right. So they had actually restructured her contract a little bit so that when this initial uh, loan with OL ended, she would make eventually make her return back to NWSL and have, you know, be on contract with Portland. I believe it was through 2025. Yeah. So with her, Extending her stay in France, that obviously changes some things for Portland. I'm sure once things are actually finalized and all the I's dotted and the T's crossed, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that will eventually get an update maybe on the NWSL side of things. Very curious to sort of see how that might um, play out for the Thorns and her end in the future if she does want to um, eventually make her return back to the NWSL and with uh, with Portland. So something to keep an eye on for sure because Leon is such a powerhouse. They have zero yeah. problems a lot of the time um, attracting sort of world-class talent. And this is all kind of like the first bit of transfer news out of this club since the announcement that um, Michelle Kang is like form right. <laughs> forming a women's soccer kind of super group. She wants to have as many women's soccer brands and kind of 
all work together and share resources and stuff. And it's very, very exciting time. I think not just for Kane, but Leon as well. So we'll see how this kind of iteration of Leon Femini kind of looks moving forward, kind of in this new era, um, pivoting to England, but still staying on some transfer news tip. we got to talk a little bit about Chelsea as well, because they have been in headlines, uh, Former world record signing Pernell Harder announced that she's going to leave Chelsea at the end of the season. And that includes news around Chelsea captain Magdalena Eriksson as well. She also confirmed that she'll leave Chelsea at the end of the summer after six years with the club. And look, there's like the, the news with these two players are is a big it's a big deal for like two different reasons. It's like yeah. <laughs> Pernell is like. I mentioned that she was a world record signing for them in terms of let's it's money, right? They, they showed her, they showed her the dollar signs and said, Hey, sign on this line. We want you here at Chelsea with us. You know, Emma Hayes building uh, this, this sort of super team to try to make sure that they can compete and keep that grip on women's super league and eventually try to get over that hump in champions league. And then for Erickson, it's really big news just because of her, uh, her long tenure with, Chelsea and everything that she's accomplished. Yeah, Erickson's been there since 2017. Like, crazy, crazy. Um, and both their contracts were set to end at the end of this year. So it's it, – I, I don't think it's a massive surprise. I mean, it is a big surprise and definitely a big shock with how long they've been there. But it's been a long time, right? I mean, Harder – joined uh, perennial harder joined Chelsea in 2020 that was a three-year contract and and the run that Chelsea went on since then um with Emma Hayes they won two WSL titles champion league final in 2021 like they have reached so much success um and the videos coming out of them saying that they they weren't going to renew their contracts like making me cry over here It put you in, put you in your bills. No, yeah. it's, it's a lot. I, I think. Um, look, there was a lot of joy. I think when when Harder made her arrival to to Chelsea, it's 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 well documented on record out there that, that the two are partners. They do a lot of great work for LGBTQ yeah. causes, um, and so there was a lot of excitement to have these two reunited in Chelsea. And now it's it's rumored that they're going to both uh, head to to Bayern Munich. It'll be a return to the Frau Bundesliga for for Harder, where she has absolutely excelled in, in previous years with, with Wolfsburg specifically. So it'd be interesting to see um, how that team looks with the two of them um, together, uh, possibly contending for titles in, in, in Bundesliga. We'll see, but it's uh it was a chunk of news that I think um, maybe had Chelsea fans feel a bad, a bad for a little bit just because it kind of came also on the heels of, of Frank Kirby's announcement that she's going to be out for the foreseeable future yeah. with, Chelsea, but not only for club, going to miss out on the World Cup as well. So it sort of felt like this kind of one-two combo, perhaps, if you're a, a fan of the Blues. Um, but don't get too down. Don't get too down because <laughs> Chelsea are in contention for some cool things still this season. And, of course, we'll chat a little bit about that as well. But another bit of news before we pivot into some more Chelsea-related things. There's some rumors tied to Chelsea that we want to talk about a little later in the show. But we're going to close out this portion of the news and notes segment with some NWSL-related news as well. Gotham with some cool news out of Wednesday morning, announced a partnership with SL Benfica. Benfica, one of the world's most historic and best-known football clubs, and Gotham FC, the top-ranked club in the NWSL, are excited to announce a transformative partnership aimed at advancing women's soccer development and expanding their global 
reach. The statement read this morning. I liked to see this in my inbox this morning. It was cool to see more of this throughout NWSL. These uh, they refer to as these strategic partnerships between NWSL sides and a lot of European clubs, um, clubs that have typically featured in Champions League. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw the announcement of Red Stars and Wolfsburg earlier in the 2023 season, kind of to open up the new year. And um, prior to Michelle King having um, overseeing things with uh, Olympic Leonese Feminino, she was really interested in how this dynamic of having like kind of several women's clubs under one umbrella can look. But prior to her making that official, OL, Club America, and The Rain also announced a bit of a trio of partnership as well. So I'm, again, I'm very curious of where Kang is going to lead some of these things moving forward. Um, what does that mean for, for Club America, who had engaged in the strategic partnership with OL Rain, who is now up for sale, uh, and Lyon, who now has a specific uh executive board to kind of report to with King at the helm. So we're seeing a lot more of these in NWSL and uh, I'm all for it. I think they're very unique and they provide certain resources and opportunities that maybe you think a little bit outside of, of the box for. So I'm curious as to how, uh, what we'll see between Gotham and Befica between the two of them in these, in the early stages of this partnership. Yeah, I'm excited to see kind of how it unfolds. I, I definitely think Gotham was taking a look at some of the other clubs, as you mentioned, that have partnerships um, with overseas clubs and kind of how that has benefited them. Like my, The first thing that comes to mind is always Chicago Red Stars and Wolfsburg and their partnership um, that allowed Tierna Davidson to train in the Red Stars offseason. She was coming back from her ACL injury and Chicago Red Stars weren't playing games and they weren't having organized training. And instead of training on her own to get back into shape, she went over to Wolfsburg and started training with them and playing with them as as a training player, which allowed her uh, coming back from that ACL injury to get back on the pitch a little bit faster, I believe. So to me, that was that's like one of the examples that just jumps out in my mind as a really good way to kind of utilize both of these clubs and sending personnel back and forth and, and things like that. Yeah, we already, I mean, we're sticking with Wolfsburg. So, I mean, we already have seen it. We, we saw the announcement of, of Sandra Stark from Wolfsburg to the Red Stars on a short loan. She will be with the Red Stars, I believe, through um, through June ahead of, you know, the World Cup. And so uh, we'll see how she continues to try to make an impact there. But that's another example. I mean, and, and Gotham, um, including that in their, in their statement uh, as well, they want to make sure that they, you know, all have, uh, Benfica is part of like the, the, the brand expansion, right? It embark on tr- strategic initiatives. Um, and that's going to include when you're talking about strategic initiatives, I mean, that's going to include the possibility of, you know, future player transactions. So all that stuff is very exciting when you're like thinking and reading into some of these um, announcements with, with partnerships between um, two clubs or multiple clubs uh, moving forward. So um, it was fun to see that drop early enough to where we were able to grab yeah. it and include it in our news and notes because one thing that happens when we go live is news breaks always 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 when we do like our news and notes it was cool to sort of see this come through the pipeline and then be able to snag that and chat about it here with everyone Uh, let us know your thoughts uh, about these partnerships in in the chat you know we'd love to hear from you and what you think about them moving forward but we've got some more news to talk about still on some 
transfer rumor news, but that also affects uh, United States women's national team. So stick with us. We're going to talk all about it after a quick break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right. Let's let's talk about some um, some injury-related news that is going to trickle into transfer news with Chelsea and uh, United States Women's National Team news as well. So it's official. Um, Katarina Macario released a statement um, just yesterday. If you're joining us on Wednesday, May 24th, she put out a statement um, essentially withdrawing herself from World Cup roster selection. Uh, unfortunately, she will be what she refers to as physically unable and not ready to play in the upcoming World Cup. She also said, while she's excited and super optimistic about my future as a footballer, I'm sad to share that I won't be physically ready for selection to our U.S. World Cup team. She goes on to uh, further thank uh, the hospital and sports orthopedics uh, who have helped her along her journey. And she also said that she will continue to support and cheer for the U.S. women's national team as they embark um, on their World Cup journey. So, you know, Lisa, just talking about this bit of news, uh, you know, you and I have we I feel like we've been building up to this World Cup for what feels like two years now, right? Uh, since really the start of attacking third. I mean, we launched when this team headed to Tokyo for the Olympic Games, and we've been doing U.S. women's national team coverage ever since then. And the build up to this World Cup and and following this team into the Concacaf W Championship, and now we're less than two months out, and part of that part of the many storylines around the national, the U S national team specifically um, were some of the injuries uh, mm-hmm. that have impacted this team in the buildup to the 2023 world cup. Katarina Macario has been one of those players. She unfortunately tore her ACL last June wow. in the final league match with Lyon against a lowly bottom table team. They ended up, you know, thumping them for zero. And she had come out of that game just 13 minutes into the match. Yeah. And this is, this is also just after she helped Leon win 
their eighth Champions League title, a match against FC Barcelona, uh, a, a machine of a team at this point, a game in where she scored in that final, helped them lift that title. Um, so riding high, right, and to sort of have all that momentum kind of hit a brick wall, and then you tear your ACL right before what's essentially – the CONCACAF W Championship, World Cup qualifier, and Olympic qualifier. It was yeah. devastating. And I feel like ever since then, we just sort of had Macario in the back of our minds, like, hey, the timeline for ACL rehabilitation can vary sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Is there still a shot? And now this is sort of like, as the time went on, we sort of felt like the timeline was getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And even though in the back of your head, you're like, it's not looking good. There's something about when it comes from a player Right. And the player says, I'm done. It just hits a little different. Completely, completely. I mean, she's so young, 23 years old. The, the future, there's a long future for Katarina Macario. But I think a lot of fans, as you talked about last June, was kind of like, as soon as this happened, I mean, I remember watching that game yeah. where she went down and, and then we find out it's her ACL. Everyone starts doing math. They're like, yeah. okay, when does the World Cup start? When could she possibly be back? And and as you mentioned, the recovery for ACLs varies drastically and there are a million factors that go into it she was at the fifa rehabilitation center in qatar for a very long time recovering there with top doctors in the world um working specifically with soccer and and football athletes and there are setbacks and there are things that happen and as you mentioned the timeline for fans and for us was getting shorter and shorter imagine how it must have felt for her as she is just trying to recover just trying to Hey, let's get back to running. Let's get back to equal strength between both of my legs. She's got the weight of the World Cup on her shoulders, of fans on her shoulders, of Black Wadonofsky checking in on her shoulders, not in a bad way, but just another added pressure versus just someone else tearing their ACL looking to get back. And over the last couple weeks and couple months, you and I have talked off air privately just because this is what we do and this is what we're interested in about if we're going to see her and it was always like yeah we would take her even if she has only trained we would take her to the world cup that's how crucial and vital she is of a player to this team it would be worth it for us for her to be on that roster now over the last two weeks three weeks as the timeline has gotten shorter and shorter and shorter and she has yet to play a game. She has yet to train yet to say I'm back doing non-contact training. Um, there was a spell there where fans thought, I thought, Hey, maybe she'll sign with an NWSL team. That way. <laughs> She's available to play mid May. She'll Those come back. Games, yeah. and she'll at least play games and at least be able to get games under her belt before the roster is named. But the timeline was just too short. And it's not worth it at that point to rush a player's injury, especially a player at the age of 23, who, yes, four years is a long time for another World Cup, but she'll be, still be under the age of 30 at that point. Like she still has a World oh, Cup. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Like she still has plenty of soccer left to play. I, I think definitely coming from the player, right? Her mouth, her words coming out to the fans means a lot more than just her name not being on the roster. I think getting out ahead of it a little bit and saying like, listen, I know where I am in my recovery. This stinks thanks to my doctors, but I'm putting this out there. I am not in selection for the World Cup. Definitely very mature of her to do. And I think it's, it's, uh, the right thing for her to do. She put this out just yesterday too. Yeah, no, mature, smart, you know, uh, it, it, it allows the player to sort of still retain, you know, their, uh, 
you know, their own agency and, and, and freedom and, and kind of navigating their career and where it is and where it's going. And um, she said it best, you know, she's really excited about her, her future as a footballer, as I think so many of us who follow the national team are as well. Um, but, you know, your, your wheels always, or at least ours are always turning and the gears are always moving in terms of like what the, what comes next or, or what does it mean? And, and while we knew it was an extremely long shot for Macario to, to try to make a return back get games in and make a really strong case for the world cup roster. We just knew that the time kept, kept running out and there were the options where it looked like to try to get games in was getting, the window was getting slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. So to sort of see her come out with this and, and, you know, talk about all the reasons why she, she might not, um, you know, be able to, play in the world cup is, is still kind of just a, I mean, for lack of a better word, it's just a real bummer yes. to see it and to kind of just have it official in, in front of your face and to know that that's not going um, to be an option because even with those slim opportunities, that slim timeline, you just still look at Katarina Macario and you say, this is a generational type of player, totally. a player that if she's able to run, you take her. And that was kind of the energy I think, around this player, even with this injury that kind of had some setbacks at times. I mean, we opened up 2023 with that January camp with this national team. She wasn't part of that New Zealand camp, wasn't able to go, but even out of the early new year updates out of those camps and Andonovsky kind of saying like, Hey, maybe we'll see her in, in trainings for, for she believes cup. Maybe we'll, you know, end of March. And then it was end of April. And then it was maybe May. And it kind of, you have to imagine that perhaps there was a setback and, and that happens when you're rehabbing from such significant injury. And it just sort of fell as it kept getting pushed back. That's where kind of like the, the cloud kind of hangs over it. And you're kind of like, geez, like this is, this is tough. And it is tough just because of when we are reflective of the coverage that we do, have done, on this team in the past, Macario was one of these central focal points. Totally. This national team. Um, when everything went through for her FIFA transfer and she was able to represent the United States, this was a player alongside Smith and Swanson with Lavelle in support that was going to be a focal part of this team's attack. I mean, it was, a, it was essentially confirmed by Andonovsky um, coming out of uh, some She Believes Cup windows, I believe in 2021, that they wanted to see that trio or quartet of players continue to get as much time as possible together. And yeah. you have Andonovsky even confirming that out of those final April windows uh, against Ireland saying, listen, Macario has been out, but this team was still going to be centered around Smith and Swanson, and now Swanson is out. So what does that mean for this national team moving forward? Who can possibly yeah. find themselves on this on this roster? She's a play. Makara has been a player who's typically been listed as a midfielder for Adonofsky on these national team camps, but she is such a versatile player that she could she can drop lower into the mid. Totally. Can ideally be your false nine, or she can lead that uh, front line. And I think with Alex Morgan's, you know, recent return to form out of 2022 and now 2023, 
that is kind of your your center target kind of forward that you're going to ask to to do a lot of different things alongside your your wingers and it sort of looked like maybe at some point it was going to be a Macario Morgan kind of one two combination that maybe Morgan would come in in support versus actually kind of get these these starts you know we heard from the coaching staff that veterans who are on the team are going to be relied upon in a different in a different lens um, moving forward. So what now that you've got not just Macario out, but Swanson out, I think it presents different scenarios for the coaching staff and how they're going to evaluate or what they're going to rate as more important when they put together this final roster. Is it going to be more important to have a center forward option as a backup to Alex Morgan to take? Is it going to be more important or is it going to be more important to have a more kind of creative, agile, kind of attacking style player? Who does it leave room for? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I wrote all about this on .com. Everybody can go and read because oh, yeah. I felt real down bad about Katarina Macario officially withdrawing. And I said, we got to write about it. And um, so check it out if you want to see it or read it. Um, but I think when you have a Swanson out, when you have a Macario, these players that were the attack was going to be centered around, there's some different routes yeah. that coaches sure. have to go to here when it comes to making a selection on this roster. Yeah, completely. I mean, there's a, a lot of different players they can bring. Um, and, and the fact that it's not just Macario, but it is Swanson too, it adds another layer of pain hurt yeah. <laughs> uh, question marks to this team and kind of what's going to happen. And, and it's, we're still dealing with the top of the top of the top, right? You even look at someone like an Alyssa Thompson, who number one draft pick playing with angel city, getting goals, playing, stepping in as a professional and pretty much seamlessly. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good option as well, but it, I like that you're plugging your article. We're actually going to talk about it next week. A lot. We'll do like a U.S. women's national team roster prediction drop, what we want to do, who we want to see going to the world cup, things like that, where we can really dive into all of this because I mean, this announcement yesterday breaks a lot of people's hearts, but prayers are with you, Katerina Macario, good thoughts, good vibes. You'll get back there. There's plenty more soccer to be played down the road. Look, and it's close. She's already rumored and tied to sign with Chelsea. We're just talking about the different bit of transfer news out of Europe, and this is absolutely one of them. Emma Hayes has Katerina Macario in her sights. Apparently, it's been reported already that it is subject to a medical evaluation. Yep. So that's about as close as you can get to, to you know, sort of saying, hey, this is going to be my next club. You have your uh, current club coach in Bob Pastor and Lyon saying she's all that confirming that she's not going to be back. There's just a lot already here that you can pluck from and say Macario is on the move to, to Chelsea. And uh, but again, that's that's the caliber of player this is that you want to continue to build with this player, okay. even as she is nearing her return from an ACL. And I think if you're a Chelsea fan, you absolutely have to be excited about that. You have to be hyped for it. I mean, look, they've got Sam Kerr on a contract to at least 2024. Maybe they've got another one more crack maybe at the champions league. If, if, if Sam Kerr decides to, to make a different decision with her career, um, you want to try to build this team up as much totally. as you can. Lucy's Lucy's saying it right. Macario has a 10, Sam Kerr has a nine. That's ridiculous. I know Lucy ever as soon as the transfer rumor about Macario going to Chelsea, everyone was like jaw dropped. This is going to be an unstoppable from oh. 
I can't wait to see it. I would love to see it, and I can't wait to see it. And it sounds like we're going to see it. Uh, Blues kind of making sure that they're stacking themselves up and are in a good position to stay dominant, not just in Women's Super League, but hopefully get over that hump in Champions League because there's news out of Paris. Le Parisien has reported that Chelsea will sign Canadian and PSG fullback Ashley Lawrence. And not only are they going to sign her, they're going to sign her to a multi-year deal. So they're just like, going out there and picking up players and making these moves. You love to see it. I love to see it because I'm, I'm a Chelsea fan. So I'm like, yes, Emma Hayes, go out there, get it, get these players. Uh, I mean, again, another we're talking, shout out to Lucy, who's referencing like how we could see Kerr yeah. and Macario play. But I mean, the, the idea of seeing two Canadians on a back line for Chelsea is very exciting to me with, with Buchanan at this point and now possibly, um, Lawrence as well. So I'm very excited about all the transfer they're, rumors. They're getting stacked stacked from, from tip to tail. Chelsea's stacked. Absolutely. And uh they've got to, they've got some things to win. It's coming down to the final match day in women's super league, just like we all thought it would. Let's take a look at the top four in the women's super league table. If you're joining us live on YouTube, we've got great graphics for you to take a look at. Shout out to our social team. Weekend 21 in Women's Super League, Chelsea number one with 55 points. Man United just behind them with 53 points at number two. Arsenal number three with 47 points and Man City with 44 points. So not as close when it comes to the three and four on the outside looking in, but it's coming down to the last match with two points separating Chelsea and United. Champions League spots on the line as well. Man City looking like they might miss out. I know. Crazy. It's really crazy that City's at the bottom of this. I remember months ago, Sandra, talking about our top four teams and uh, not too much has changed there in terms of our top four teams, but I think the order changed a lot. I predicted City much higher in the table uh, heading into the final week, final match week. Yeah, no, same. And I think with uh, with Buddy Shaw and her kind of run of form throughout the season this year, we kind of thought, hey, maybe they'll, you know, kind of rally around this player and 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 make some make some noise. And they did for a little bit, but just not enough to keep up with what Mark Skinner is doing with Manchester United and Emma Hayes and, and Chelsea as well. So uh, keep your eyes on the final matches. Uh Look out for them across CBS yeah, yeah. Sports platforms. You can catch them on Golasso Network and, and Paramount Plus. So so tune in. I mean, you want to be there and watch when the league is won by either Chelsea no. or Man United. Well, we'll see. Let's keep it in Europe, though, to close out this second segment of our show. We've got some Women's Champions League updates because Wolfsburg and Barcelona will go head to head on June 3rd for the Champions League title. But they've got things Ooh. to wrap up in their leagues. And Wolfsburg have won their ninth consecutive DFB Pokal. They are making history. It's the 10th time in club history that Wolfsburg has won the German cup. Got to feel good winning the whole dang thing in the league before you have to take on FC Barcelona in champions league. And while Barcelona has been on an incredible run Uh this season, they've had a couple hiccups down this final stretch of the league ahead of their champions league final. Not only was there uh, undefeated or unbeaten streak snapped by Sevilla in a one, one draw, but Barcelona officially picked up a loss, a 2-1 loss, their first league loss in nearly two years, a 2-1 loss against Madrid CFF at Estadio Fernando Torres. Uh, silver linings maybe for Barcelona? 
Alexia Pateas involved yeah. in this game, and she was able to get a goal in this game for Barcelona. But it just, just the the moment of brilliance just just wasn't enough to uh, to get to scratch out or, or, or spearhead a result for the team, and it's uh, it's their first loss in sixty four league matches so maybe not the way you want to start you know head into a champions league final but uh hopefully they try to take some of the the positives of, of their season and and kind of dominate yeah i mean i don't think it, I, I don't think it's the way you want to end right but streaks are meant to be ended <laughs> yeah that's um, true they are and this has happened to them the last time they they went on this incredible run, um, yeah. that, and that ended again in June of 2021. And now this one ends again. But you're exactly right, yeah. Alexia Puteas getting minutes in this game, and and that's fantastic to see. Now uh, is the pressure off a little bit as they head into the Champions League final? Maybe, yeah. maybe right. It's yeah. it's no longer like okay, we've got this giant, we're sitting in this glass box that no one breathes, no one moves because we're sitting on this incredible streak and this incredible run. Um, And the fact that it happened, I'm going to say slowly and then not all at (laughs) once with the draw first to Sevilla and then they get the loss. It was like, okay, we haven't won. We we just draw our unbeaten streak now, not our win streak. And then they go ahead and and they end up a loss. Um, Yeah, I mean, Silver lining for sure. Maybe pressure off now for the champions. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I look, it's, it's crazy <laughs> that they went on for two years without losing. Like, are you maybe it gets maybe it is crazy, but it 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 also maybe gets a little stale. Like, maybe it does get a little stale. Maybe it gets a little maybe boring. Maybe you're at a point in in all of your dominance where you're like, okay, man, we've already at this point. I mean, in the season, they already clinched. Yeah, you know, everything. the have title in April. You know, yeah. this is already like a month ago, and they're just like, "All right, we're, we've already got the the title. Like, what are we, we we are we're focused on a much bigger prize from this point out. Like, what is this? Let's make sure Alexia gets some minutes, yeah. and let's just go with it. Like, you know, I think that's kind of um, the response that the folks might are are probably going to look for, and it's honestly, it's probably the response that Barcelona is going to give. I mean, what type of um, lethal machine wouldn't want to give a false sense of security totally. to their opposition. You know, it's like we're even we're like it's almost like we're reaching or, or pulling at a thread that isn't even there. You know, it's like oh Barcelona got a, their first a loss, and it's just like yeah, it's also their first loss in like sixty plus games, and they yeah. also won the league with eighty five points and a goal difference of a hundred and eight. They're fine. They're fine. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like they're fine. They've got they've got Amati. You know, they've got Tiana Bomati. They've got Carolyn Graham Hanson. They've they've got Alexia Pateas apparently scoring goals before they head off to the Champions League. So uh, it'll it'll build up to to a good match for sure. But congratulations to Wolfsburg and Barcelona for respectively winning their leagues. We've got one more bit of news to talk about. We're coming back stateside for all of our news and notes. So stick with us after a quick break. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Let's close things out with some soccer news back in the United States. We didn't get an opportunity to react to this uh, because the last time we did a news and notes episode, again, things that break when Attacking Third goes live. If you want news to break, just make sure... Attacking third goes live because it's like it'll happen right when we're on air. So uh, we didn't get a chance to react to this. So we wanted to bring it on to this episode and give our, ourselves a chance to, to discuss it with you all. News out of the USLW League. Shout out to President Amanda Vandervoort. We actually had an interview with her some time ago. So make sure you go and check it out because there was a lot of good information but the usl super league will launch in 2024 and the new update is that it is going to launch not as a second tier league as it was initially announced but as a first division league in the united states big news Massive. This is massive coming out of the usl super league and and the w league that is to join um it it was already going to be exciting because we need more women's professional leagues in the United States and more opportunity for teams to compete at a really high level. And when this was announced that it was going to be a division one league, um, it basically said saying that this will be in direct competition with the NWSL. Now the teams that the USL super league have, have announced across the country um, are, indirect competition with with the NWSL based on where they are and, and kind of how that all breaks out. But is this at all a concern because of, of how the NWSL has, has just made it to its 10th year and that was a huge celebration because former leagues haven't done it and now we get this competition uh, plus the expansion teams in the NWSL. This means that there's going to be like 25 Division <laughs> One top-tier women's professional teams in the country in the next year or so, which is like mind boggling to me. Yeah. I'm so excited about it, but there's so many question marks still to come about what this all means for the landscape. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm eager to, well, I'm eager to see if, um, you know, if everything if gets approved. I mean, it sounds like it has approved yeah. for the most part. Uh, I know U S soccer has to, there are certain things you have to go through to, to qualify for a first division league so i think it was important that in this announcement that usl said hey we're not going to be second division we want to launch as a first division in 2024 they came correct they said hey we've got markets in place we have met these like kind of like standard minimum thresholds for for market areas and things like that so i mean even just looking at at the map in place for this new league alongside NWSL, there's a lot of teams in states where there are already uh, NWSL clubs, clubs right. that have already been in these markets and have tapped into, uh, you know, the women's soccer, uh, you know, fan base. I think whether like, for example, we're looking at 
Washington State. There's, you know, uh, Washington State is going to have a USL uh, team. There's now going to be three NWSL sides um, in the state of California, but that's also going to include a USL team, a couple of different uh, opportunities for uh, USL sites in Arizona, in Texas, kind of in the central area of the of the country as well, where I know I've been dreaming for more teams, essentially. So, you know, Wisconsin, Tennessee, it's yep. a lot of opportunity here. Yeah, a lot of opportunity. So the way that the USL Super League and and the way that they announced it is that there's going to be initial markets uh, for the inaugural 2024 season. Some of those including Charlotte, North Carolina, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, Lexington, Kentucky, Phoenix, Arizona, um, Washington State. Tampa Bay, Florida, Arizona, Tuscan, Arizona, and then Washington, D.C. And then they announced other markets that would be coming in subsequent seasons. Uh, So they're still waiting on a couple approvals, but that including Chattanooga, Tennessee, Mm -hmm. Indianapolis, Indiana, Jacksonville, Florida, Madison, Wisconsin, Oakland, California. Um, So they've already put out there a number of cities that are already going to have them. They've got approval and they're Mm -hmm. ready to hit the ground running in 2024. And then a couple more that it's like, okay, these are our top ones to get into play. They just need to nail down a stadium and a couple other (laughs) details need to be wrinkled out before they can get into play. Uh, But yeah, I mean, competition. I mean, <laughs> also, like Washington D.C., like the fact yes. that it's very specifically Washington D.C., there's already Washington spirit there in Washington D.C. Um, oh, yeah. That's the only one so far that's like in direct, direct city competition that has been announced so far. No, it's uh, it was interesting to sort of see the layout of the map and and the announcement when it came through, and it's so <laughs> all excellent points that you bring up, but they're they're not little points; they're big ones. It's like oh, it's like not only do you have to have the the interested markets, but you've got to have the money behind it and in ownership groups, the facilities, etc. Like there are certain minimum standards that these clubs are going to have to meet in order to retain and maintain a division one or a first division status within the U.S. soccer sphere uh, in the in this country. So, I mean, it's, um, you know, com- we hear it all the time that, you know, competition is a good thing. Um, but I don't know if if out of 2024 that this is going to be something that's going to be considered like direct uh, competition with with NWSL specifically. I think one of the things that I think are really interesting about it, though, that will set itself apart from NWSL. So maybe there's not going to be like direct comp like that immediate direct competition in terms of I think when I think of competition it's like which players are you stealing from which league and I don't know if right. that's gonna happen right away right. I, I just don't uh you know I don't think um like Lindsey Horan is going to come back to the states and, and play in, in the USL league I, I, I just I just don't so I well, don't see that happening anything's either. possible of course but I just don't think that that's gonna that that's gonna happen so and it's also on a different schedule right they're going yeah, so I was I was schedule. alluding yeah. to there's a lot of cool different things here yeah. that can set USL apart from NWSL one of those things um will will be this schedule so we've heard a lot of this you know this back and forth about the benefits of of going to you know an August to June kind of schedule instead of a you know kind of not as year round schedule like the the league is they have a spring spring to fall league uh and so they want to have you know august to june um and sort of make sure that they're also on a similar global calendar schedule um and that is something that's 
going to be the probably, I think for me, more than anything else, one of the main differences that will set them apart from NWSL, not so much the the, the markets that they've introduced and, and how they want to go from second division to first division. That that stuff is is always a possibility if you get all of those right pieces in place, whether it's the money, the investment and facilities. Yeah, I think what's really going to help set them apart and might attract some players will be the difference in calendar. I do, too. I do. I really think that's a a big change that um, a lot of people have kind of circled and, and their eyes have drawn to it. They just make some interesting points. Like the fact that in this inaugural 2024 season set to kick off in August, they're aiming to have 10 to 12 teams when yeah. only eight are initially announced um, as, as being able and ready to go. Now they have a bit more time than say the NWSL season that is uh, having Utah Royals in the Bay area joining in January, right? That's yeah, when they need yeah. to be ready to go of 2024. This is August of 2024, but still, um, I, I think like the idea is there, right? This is yes. this needs to happen. It does need to happen. There are 101 professional men's soccer teams in the United States. There are 12 women's teams. 12. That is it. Because the way that MLS works is they have these feeder systems and they have like the next pro teams and they have the USL and League One and Champions League. And they have all these different divisions, which act as feeder systems for these players. Now, there's so many different factors that come into this. Is the NWSL going to start doing feeder programs and homegrown programs? I think that would be really beneficial, but that's not going to come... uh, just like that. It, you have to develop that and you have to be able to make these clubs that have feeder programs and develop children from a young age if they want to do that. That's why it's been so successful in the MLS. I mean, specifically, I'm looking at like the Philadelphia Union. They have so many homegrown players. That's what really they rely on to build their team, not necessarily the drafts and getting international signings, but their players that they've been developing since they were 10, 12 years old uh, to play within this system. Now, this is going to help, right? Having these another 12 teams. So we go from 12 women's professional teams to 24, 26 in, in just a matter of two years. Um, but 101 compared to the men's is very, very different. It's, we got, it's going to take some growing pains. We're going to see how this all plays out. Yeah. I'm excited to see if it's, if they're going to stick with, with the eight teams, if there's going to be, you know, what, maybe, what 10 to 12, they may, yeah, maybe if they, ex- if we they expand it to at least 10, you know, very, very curious uh, about it. You know, I think um, even some of the ownership that some of the ownership groups that are like even attached to, you know, to, to have interest in this. I mean, the club out of Tucson, Arizona has John Perlman and Jeff Hartnell is part of their like ownership structure. I mean, Tim Tebow, part of like Jacksonville, Florida's potential ownership, you know, and um, we've seen a lot out of um, forward Madison and Oakland roots as well. And these are uh, the clubs that want to, you know, add a, a woman's side into their uh, soccer portfolio. So, you know, it's a, uh, the, it's the initial announcements, and I'm sure we'll eventually see some some updates along the, the way. Um, but, you know, I think they're aware of that. I think they're in front of it in the sense that they understand that there are certain standards that you have at the Division One level, and they have to try to make sure that they not only meet those standards, but maintain them, right, moving, moving forward. So um, we'll see. It's an exciting time for sure. And 2024 is literally right around the Here. corner. 
It's 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 here basically. Like we're already halfway through 2023. We're already thinking about 2024. <laughs> but let's get to the World Cup first, Lisa. For please, sure. please, can we just get there? We're 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 all, we're almost there. Uh, thanks everybody for for joining us along on this episode. Uh, that's all we've got for you today. We hope you enjoyed everything that we chatted about. Make sure you tune in uh, along the way for all of our content in the pipeline. Download, follow, listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube at youtube.com slash attacking nerd. We'll be back with more content for you. Stay tuned. Sandra and Lisa Roman was attacking nerd.